Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. It's Friday, or depending on when you listen to this, it could be Saturday. Uh, real quick, before we dive into our final preview of this football game between uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils and the Oregon Ducks, uh, if you have not subscribed to DuckTerritory.com, what are you doing? Uh, jump on that now, uh, because we've got a tremendous value where you could get a seven-day free trial. You could get your first month for $1. Uh, you get access to myself, to Eric Scopel, uh, to Kevin Wade, all the insiders on DuckTerritory.com. We've got more than 20 years of combined experience. Uh, we've got a really good message board. And now on top of that, we've got CBS All Access. Your Duck Territory membership includes a CBS All Access commercial-free subscription at no additional cost. That's a $99.99 value uh, added on to your membership. You get 10,000-plus episodes, all-access originals, live TV, which includes the NFL. It's also including college football. Uh, you get access to all of that, commercial-free, on-demand, uh, access at CBS, all-access. It's their new streaming platform. So jump in on that. That's not going away. Uh, that That's going to be with us, you know, forever, essentially. Uh so jump on in on that. Now, Eric, it's it's Friday. Um, we've got a football game to prepare for. Oregon is sixth in the college football playoff rankings. They are nine and one on the year, seven and zero in conference play. They've won nine straight games, and they're going into a game in which I pegged this one as the only game Oregon was going to lose when we when we started a couple months back doing these daily podcasts. We were previewing the season. We kind of went through each game, and this was the football game that I said Oregon was going to finish 11-1 in the regular season. They were not going to make the college football playoff, which we'll get to later on, uh, because they would suffer a late-season loss at ASU, and they would go on to play in the Rose Bowl at 12-1. and Now, today, I'm changing my tune. I don't think they lose this football game. We'll give our predictions later, but I, I – this game does not scare me nearly as much as it did at the beginning of the year. And part of that is because Arizona State, while they've had their bright moments, they have talented players, they have lost four straight football games. They they are healthy, but they're, they haven't developed like I thought they would throughout the season. They've, they've gotten thrashed at Utah. They were blown out at UCLA, USC went into Sun Devil Stadium and, and won there. And then this most past weekend, uh, they lost by one point at Oregon State. They've lost four games in a row. Just how much of a of a fear factor does this game have for you on the schedule? Well, you know, I I go back and forth. Um, I went and rewatched a fair amount of that Oregon State-Arizona State game and Defensively, I'm not sure Arizona State's very good, but offensively, I think they pose some potential challenges. Like Brandon Ayuk is really, really a talented receiver. You know, they lost Nikhail Harry last year, and I think we all thought, oh, there's no way they'll have one wide receiver who can kind of step in and fill it. And he's been tremendous this season, and especially last week against Oregon State. I think he had like 170 yards uh, and like 10 catches in that game, and, and scored one touchdown, but had a couple other that that right. looked like he could have scored on. Um, you know Benjamin's a really good running back. He obviously had that unfortunate fumble going into the end zone uh, late in that game that kind of turned it. You know, if that doesn't happen, uh, Arizona State could probably have won that game. He, he fumbled going into score, which would have, I think, tied the football game, and then obviously they scored later 
um, to, to try to go ahead. And, and I think Ballsy moved by Herm Edwards to, to go for two there, and it didn't work out. But um, and, and then Jaden Daniels is, is, I think, really a pretty impressive freshman quarterback, having watched a little bit of him against Oregon State. I know Oregon State's defense isn't very good. So not not totally fair to judge it, but I think you, you go watch Arizona State, and you can at least respect the fact that they've, on offense and on defense, have some some players. They've got some talent. Um, I think Oregon has more talent. I think Oregon has more to play for, certainly. But um, this is not an Arizona State team that I look at and go like, oh, they've got no chance. And I think that's part of what makes this conference good, is even a team that's lost four straight games, you can at least watch and go like, they're semi-dangerous. Like, they're, they're, they're not a terrible, terrible team. Um, you know, and, and that's not the case in every conference in the country right now. You know, you look at the SEC, I think it's really top heavy. There are, there are, um, there are teams in that conference that aren't very competitive any week with some of the top tier teams. I still think a team like Arizona State can challenge Oregon. Um, I think Oregon, you know, not, again, not to spoil the end of our, our podcast for predictions, I think Oregon's going to win the game, um, and set themselves up to, to be in the college football playoff. But I, I do think this is going to be a game that, you know, it's on the road. It's always tough in Tempe for whatever reason. Uh, and I think it, it, it provides some, some challenges for Oregon. So I think potentially a really good game in terms of like developing more internal fortitude because I, I expect this is going to be a game that's maybe a little closer than, uh, than something. From 2005 to 2016, Oregon had won 10 straight games. Now the last two years, these two teams have split. Oregon won last year at home 31 to 29, a game in which the score really doesn't indicate how close or, you know, how much of a blowout it was. You know, Oregon was in control of that game and until very late, all of a sudden it was like, oh wow, it's a, it's a one score game. Uh, at Tempe, last time the Ducks went down the Sun Devil Stadium, they lost. That was in uh, September 23rd, 2017. Oregon was 24th in the country. They lost that one 37-35. They had the ball in the, in the final minute or so to try and drive the field and, and make a game winning touchdown and they just couldn't do it. And then, like you said, though, that's where, you know, the craziness comes out with some of these games. You know, most recently, uh, before that, in Tempe, it was 2015, 10-29. That was the triple overtime game. Uh, Vernon Adams, Oregon won that one 61-55. The, the year and before that. Say, or, or, Oregon didn't have much business winning that football game. It yes. took a, t- a ton to even get there in terms of, remember that touchdown, I think, to Stanford in the back of the end zone to, to force overtime? Like, it was a miracle they got to that point. Uh, the Ducks also were in Tempe in 2012. They were the number two team in the country. They won that one 43 to 21. Uh, in 2010, they were the number five team in the country going into Tempe. They were, four, and they won that one 42 to 31. Uh, and then most recently, you know, Oregon has a situation where they're going in now in the top 10. And I look at this and I, I agree with, you. yeah, Arizona State could win. Um, you know, th- this could be a situation in which they've got the ability to do it. Now, how, how, you know, if they played 10 times, how many times would, would, would Oregon lose this football game? I, I would probably say, you know, three, maybe, maybe four. Um, and so for you, Eric, what has to happen for Arizona State to have a chance to win this game? What can Oregon not afford to do going in, into this football game? Well, I think, Offensively, they can't turn the ball over very frequently. Um, and, and we should mention, Oregon's been awesome protecting the football. Uh, I think seven total turnovers all season. Only once all year they've had more than one in a game, which is pretty mind-boggling. That was against California where they had three in the first half on like three almost consecutive. It might have been three consecutive drives. Uh, they had the interception and then two Travis Dye fumbles. Um, they can't do that. Uh, and, and then I think they really have to find a way to keep just to contain Jaden Daniels in that passing game in particular, I think that that's where I get a little scared because I think they've got really good 
wide receivers out there. It's not just Brandon Ayuk. They've got uh, Darby's really good. He played well against Oregon State. Uh, Kyle Williams is is pretty explosive in the open field. You know Benjamin, they utilize him pretty well um, in the passing game as well. I, I just think they've got some guys to be, be very much aware of. Again, I think Oregon's the better team. I just think you're going to get a pretty good effort from Arizona State. They, they, they don't seem to... I mean, even in the losses they've had, you look at the four straight losses. Yeah, they lost to Utah 21-3. to That was a game where Jaden Daniels was just awful. The offense was terrible in that game. He had like 25 yards passing, and he was right. like, I can't even remember the stat. I think it was like two for eight or something like that. It was just not good. Um, but then the other games they've played have been really competitive games that have come down to the wire. I mean, it's not like they've been just bent over. Um, they're, 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 they're a competitive team. And that's why I, I think... I think this game is going to be a game that's competitive for a while, and, and we got bold predictions coming later, and, and some of them have to do with kind of how competitive I expect this game to be, because I, I don't expect it's going to be a game where Oregon jumps out and runs away from it, and frankly, uh, in terms of how Oregon's played on the road this season, that just hasn't been the way it's really gone. You think about the Stanford game, that was a game that Oregon didn't win quite as dominantly as expected. Um, you, you then jump to the Washington game, that game was back and forth all the way through. The USC game was a game where it started off like Oregon was really on the ropes, and then they had a bunch of explosion plays at the end of the half with the uh, the Brady Breeze pick six, the Mikhail Wright kickoff return. I just could see this game being really competitive early because I think Arizona State's a, a pretty competitive, pretty talented team, and it's on the road. And even though Oregon has so much riding on it, I, I just I part of me expects this game to be really close for a while. It wouldn't surprise me. If Oregon found themselves early in this football game trailing, like if, if Arizona State comes out on the opening kickoff and drives a field and scores, like that wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me if Oregon goes three and out and ASU goes down and scores. I, I think a game like this, this is where a good start is so important because ASU's fan base, they're probably a little, probably a little dejected right now. They've lost four straight games. They've seen a team that was probably being looked at as, hey, like, we're progressing ahead of schedule. There's a lot of excitement. We're, you know, we, we had a road win against a ranked Michigan State team. Uh, they beat a, a ranked Cal team on the road as well. They started the season five and one. Pac-12 South is going to go through Tempe. Let's go. Here we go. It's exciting time. And then they lose four straight. And so, the, you know, this is a fan base that's probably a little dejected. Now they have a top 10 team coming in, into town. It's the prime time game, 4.30 kickoff Pacific time, ABC, ABC's number one crew, you know, Chris Fowler, uh, Chris Herbstreet, or Kirk Herbstreet, and they will be on the call with ABC. Um, and that's where the starts for Oregon. Like, how deflating would it be? For the, for the fan base at ASU and for the team of ASU, if Oregon comes out and on their first four possessions, they score three times and two of those are touchdowns and it's, it's 17, it's 17 to nothing, you know, 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. Like that, that's the start that you kind of need for Oregon to, to go into this situation because the longer you let ASU have hope and the feeling that, Hey, we can compete. We can win this game the tougher the game will get. Oh, no question. No question. And and this is a game where I, I totally agree with that. And I think one of the reasons why Oregon was so dominant against Arizona, I really think that – not that I thought Arizona was really going to be competitive in that game. We, we all heard our predictions last week. But Oregon just jumped on the jugular right away with that 73-yard right. touchdown to Johnny Johnson, which was almost too quick. I mean, I, like I think 
the, the stands weren't even full by the time that touchdown happened. Um, that, 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 but that, I think set a tone and you're right. I think if you can come out and be successful early and often against Arizona State, and it's an Arizona State defense, which ranks the top half of the Pac-12 in most categories, but you kind of look at what they've done against some of these better Pac-12 offenses the last couple of, of losses they've been in. You know, they didn't look very good at all against Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State kind of did whatever they wanted until midway through that second half and then they kind of were slowed down a little bit, but, um, I, I think Oregon is going to have success offensively, and and I do think there's a possibility, and we'll get to our bold prediction at the end, for some guys to have some pretty big days because against Oregon State in particular, like Isaiah Hodgins, they didn't really have an answer for him. Not that many, but many teams in the country or in the conference have, um, and we'll get more to that when Oregon faces Oregon State next week. But his statistics are just like insane. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty wild what he's done. It's another guy that we should mention could be a part of this Oregon team right now. They they recruited him or very much involved in that recruitment, um, and he went Oregon State late after the coaching change. But, um, yeah, no, I, I just look at this Arizona State team and think, you know, I know they've lost four straight, but they're, they're still talented, and there's still reason to be, you know, very wary of, of what they can do, um, especially with the added motivation of, like, they don't want to – I mean, it, you, yeah, I think you nailed it in terms of, like, they were 2-1 and one in the Pac-12. They controlled their own destiny, basically, and then they've gone out and lost four straight, and it goes from a season where they thought maybe – Hey, maybe we have an outside chance to win the Pac-12 South, you know, going into that game with Utah in Salt Lake City back in October. Instead, they lose that game, they lose three more, and suddenly you're in a spot where if they don't get this figured out, they could finish two and seven or three and six in Pac-12 play, and it goes from a season where you started out having so many, you know, so much optimism after those, those games you talked about that they won over Michigan State, and, uh, and suddenly it's a year where it's like, man, that was, what a disappointment that was. So how far, it, I think, how, how long ago was that? I mean, that, that feels like a decade ago. I know. You know. It's only been one season. Um, I think offensively with ASU, everything starts with, with Eno Benjamin, the junior running back. I mean, he exploded on the scene last year as a sophomore and was one of the best running backs in the country. I think there was kind of this expectation and this thinking and thought process that Eno Benjamin might be one of the best running backs in the country and might be an early entry to the NFL draft if he has another year even remotely close to his his sophomore year. I mean, his sophomore year, he ran for 1,600 yards. He had 16 touchdowns. He had 263 yards receiving on 35 catches for two more scores. And and while he's kind of replicated that and improved on that uh, as, a, as a junior in the receiving game, he has 279 yards and two touchdowns on 33 catches. His his run performance on the ground is is not where it was last season. He's only got 801 yards. He's got eight touchdowns. And I, and I say only in the in the aspect of last season he he was so good. And this year, I was talking with Chris Cartman, uh, SunDevilSource.com, our ASU insider on the 24/7 Sports Network, and I commented to him that like, when you know Benjamin has a good game for ASU, their offense typically has a good game and they win the game. And when he's kind of held in check or contained a little bit, their offense really struggles. And the last three weeks, he has struggled to be able to produce. He has three fumbles lost in the last three games. He's yet to go over 70 yards. He scored one touchdown. And he has 50, his, his high of the last three games is seven catches for 48 yards on the receiving end. So if you bottle up Eno Benjamin – you bottle up the Arizona State offense. I think that's where it starts. It doesn't start with Jaden Daniels. I think it's, it it makes – if you stop Eno Benjamin and you force AS, ASU to throw the football one-dimensionally with with Jaden Daniels, 
that's where your your defense could put up some some freaky numbers. Sure. Yeah. No. I I think you know, and I think that's what makes this Arizona State team dangerous, though, is because they have Benjamin, and if he, if it's clicking with him, they then can set up the play action. They go deep over the top. We saw a little bit, quite a bit of that against Oregon State in terms of setting up the run to throw, it, even though they didn't have a great day throwing or running the football, I should say. Um, but you're, yeah, you're right. I, and I think that's again part of what makes them dangerous is that you just look at their kind of their the big three of of Daniels, uh, Benjamin, Ayuk, and that's a, a really really good group of players. Those are players that are all going to have, I think, NFL futures. Daniels is somebody who it'll be interesting to see how his career progresses. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like Dennis Dixon from when he was at Oregon, you know, a handful of years ago, just in terms of he's long, he's a long strider when he does run. Uh, he makes pretty good decisions and he's probably almost a little bit better pocket passer than you give him credit for. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Oregon's faced a lot of true freshman quarterbacks. Thomas Graham said on Wednesday that Daniels is the best they've faced this, this season so far. And this will be their fourth that they'll face. A true um, freshman. Yeah, fourth true freshman. Boat, you go down the list. Uh, Bo Nix, Keaton Slovis, Grant Gunnell, and then Jaden Daniels. It's actually three straight games now they face a true freshman quarterback. Um, uh, but he all, Graham also said he thinks that Daniels is the best true freshman quarterback in the in the country. So a lot of high praise from from the Oregon defenders on him. Uh, Drayton Carberg said that Daniels doesn't look like a freshman anymore because he's played so much. He looks kind of like a veteran out there. So um, I think he's somebody to certainly be aware of as well. This is, a, again, a talented Arizona State offense with, with a couple of different ways of beating you, even though they haven't been very successful offensively of late. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll discuss Oregon's playoff chances, what needs to happen this week, or games to watch for at least, and then we'll get into our, our predictions and our pick for, for the game. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame. Eric Scopel is with me as always. Now, Eric Oregon came in uh, number sixth in the college football playoff rankings. I don't think that was much of a surprise, was it? No, it wasn't for me. I, I didn't. I didn't think Oregon's victory over Arizona was going to move the needle enough. You know, maybe maybe the selection committee looks at Tua's injury for Alabama and would have bumped them down a little bit. But I wasn't. There was no movement in the top seven. It was it was identical to the week before, and actually there wasn't a whole lot of movement at all. I mean, there obviously a couple teams that were around the top ten or in the top ten lost. Minnesota lost, Baylor lost, but it just wasn't a ton of movement in general, and, and I wasn't shocked with that. I mean, I think if you're an Oregon fan and you're frustrated with being sixth right now, um, it's just about being patient. I, I, I still really think if, if Oregon wins out and Georgia does not beat LSU in the conference championship game, that Oregon's going to be you know, the fourth team in there. Um, that, that's how I feel. I, I don't think Alabama really factors into it. Um, I, I just, I don't see, I don't get the argument for it. Of putting, uh, if you have a Pac-12 team that won its conference and has one loss, and you're going to put a team from the SEC that didn't even win its division and has one loss and also doesn't happen to have its starting quarterback and, you know, honestly, its top player, um, that would be perplexing to me and, and I think very frustrating. And I would have a hard time understanding kind of the methodology behind doing that. So um, I think if you're Oregon, you, you stay at six. You're kind of just playing the waiting game here. The big game against Utah is when you're going to make a move. I, I wouldn't honestly be surprised at all if Oregon stays at six until that game with Utah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's number six Oregon against number seven Utah in the Pac-12 Conference Championship game. And if Georgia loses to LSU, Alabama probably gets is going to be jumped, and I think Oregon would then jump to four. That's kind of how I see it going. The only team that I may be wary of is Oklahoma um, because they did beat Baylor over the weekend. They moved up a spot. They're ninth right now. I guess if, if they were to win out, um, 
that would include wins over, I think, Oklahoma State and TCU and then Baylor uh, again in the conference championship game. That might be enough to make it interesting. But I, I really think if you're Oregon, you just went out and you hope Georgia can't upset LSU. Because I, th- I do think if Georgia beats LSU, you're probably going to get two SEC teams in there, which is an absolute disaster in my mind because then you have four teams in the college football playoff. Three of them are in the south, um, and all four of them are, are you know kind of past the, the west coast. So I, I think that would be a, a disappointment. But that's the only scenario I see looking at it that uh, that, that that can take place. Yeah, I, I, I think – I mean, what happens if if Penn State beats Ohio State and then Minnesota beats, uh, you know, Minnesota wins the conference championship game again, or, or you know, what, something of that nature? Like, I, I I could see a or a scenario where Ohio State beats Penn State and then Minnesota beats Penn State, or excuse me, Ohio State in the Big Ten championship, and maybe Minnesota climbs up a couple rings. Um, because all of a sudden you've, you've now got a situation where Minnesota has two top 10 wins. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that could be pretty big, but you're right about, you know, worst case scenario is LSU losing in the conference championship game for the first time to Georgia because while I hate it, LSU at 12 and 0 going into the conference championship game and losing okay. to presumably to the number four team in the country, like they should still be in the playoff. And as much as I hate that, like, they still deserve to be in the playoff. And that sucks because George then gets in too, which I don't think they deserve to be in because they've, they lost at home to a third string quarterback in a game in which they were favored by 21 points. Like that, a playoff team does not do that. And, um, you know, they, they, a playoff team could lose a game, you know, but they don't, they don't lose in the manner that they lost, uh, and still deserve to get into the college football playoff. Now, I think, what was really good, like you said, there wasn't much movement in the top seven. There was none in the top seven. But down the bottom of the rankings, which was yep. really big for Oregon, was the inclusion of USC at number 23 because now that gives Oregon another top 25 win or their first top 25 win uh, on their resume. And you pair that with Utah, and now you have a top 10 win potentially, and you have a top 25. 25 win against USC and there could be another one that sneaks in if, if Washington can, can continue to win out. It wouldn't surprise me if, if the Huskies sneak into the top 25 as well at the very end of the year. Yeah, no, I was just going to bring up that point. I think that's really important if you are, are kind of keeping an eye on this is that don't just look at the top 10, look at the entirety of the poll because the way the committee works, they, they take that into consideration. So Oregon's best win right now is over number 23 USC. You want USC to go take care of business against UCLA um, to move to eight and four, and maybe they jump. And by the time these this poll is finalized, they're like the 19th best team in the country, and that gives you one quality win. And you go out and you beat Utah, and Utah maybe drops to ten, and then you say, hey, well, I've got two wins against two of the top 20 teams in the country, um, and my one loss is to an Auburn team, which is currently 15th. And if they lose to Alabama, unfortunately, will probably drop to about 20th. So you could say we've got two good wins, and we've got our one loss is not a very bad loss at all. Um, and that would be, I think, a, a much better resume than what you could compare a team like, I guess, Oklahoma or Georgia to in terms of just, just the way the whole thing looks. So USC being there is big. You're right. If Washington could sneak in with a couple more wins, that would be significant. Um, this is the point of the year where, unfortunately, you're, if you're an Oregon fan, you have to be rooting for teams you don't necessarily like. But but that's just the nature of, of the beast right now. And, and again, if you're Oregon... Um, I think the one game we should say just this weekend to keep an eye out is, is that Ohio State-Penn State game. Um, 
that one could make things really interesting depending upon how it plays out. Um, when Penn State lost a couple weeks ago at Minnesota, I think we kind of counted them out of the whole thing. They're still a one-loss team, and if they were to go upset Ohio State on the road this weekend, which again, I'm not like I'm not super confident that's really going to happen. But if that were to happen, that would make things sort of interesting because then you go, what do you do with Ohio State? What do you do with Penn State? Um, and, and is it possible that the Big Ten suddenly is a, is a candidate to get two teams, like you were saying before? So I think that's the game this week to keep an eye on. Um, other teams that, or I mean, Georgia hosts Texas A&M, that should be a win. Alabama hosts Western Carolina, which is you know an incredibly talented opponent. That's going to be a tough one for, for the <laughs> Crimson Tide. And then Oklahoma uh, hosts TCU. So like really, really, I, I just I think the game to be aware of this week in particular is that Ohio State. Um, Penn State game. That one is the only one that could really carry a too much weight because we should also mention LSU is like a 50 point favorite against Arkansas, which is mind boggling. It's like, I think it's 45 or 46 right now, which is, I thought was a joke when somebody told me, but yeah, LSU is favored by like seven touchdowns in the game, which is absolutely absurd. It's the mighty SEC, Eric, the mighty SEC. So let's dive into this game. For Oregon perspective, five predictions that, of things that we think will happen. I'll lead it off. Uh, I, and, I, and I'll go with the one I do every week. I say it every week, and Oregon almost every, does it every other week or so. Uh, but I think Oregon's going to see yet again another player catch a touchdown pass from Justin Herbert for the first time. So far, 24 players have caught a touchdown pass from Herbert. Some of the most likely candidates who have yet to do that in their careers are C.J. Verdell at running back, which is just mind-boggling to me, uh, and also freshman receiver Josh Delgado at receiver. I think with the Pittman injury, uh, I, I think Verdell is probably the most likely candidate on a screen or a swing pass. I uh, almost got it last year, last week. Um, I think Delgado could also be a sneaky pick as well, so that's, that's my first one. That's almost an automatic five predictions for me at this point. I was gonna say you that's a you've like got that one penciled in every week. Yes. And you just copy and copy and paste that over to a different list. Yeah. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna do another CJ Verdell centric one. Uh, this part's not bold, but I think he's gonna finish the game. <laughs> which <laughs> which given his track record that's of late, maybe it, maybe that is bold. And I, I know it, it's kinda it's it's serious because he is dealing with injuries and, and you don't want to make light of that, but it's comical in terms of like it, it's been it's been surprising how infrequently you know, recently he's been able to, to close out games. So I think he's going to finish the game. And I think he's going to have his best game since the Washington State game. You, you look at what he's done this season, and it's been it's been interesting because when he finishes football games, he's put up insane stats in Pac-12 play, um, especially against Colorado and Washington State. 171 against Colorado, 257 and three touchdowns against Washington State, over 300 yards in total offense when you include the receiving stats. Um but you also have to mix in the fact that he didn't play in the second half against Cal. He didn't play in the second half against Washington. He didn't play in the second half against USC. He didn't play in the second half against Arizona. Four of the last six games, he has not finished. So um, I think he finishes this game, and I think he goes over 100 yards for the third time this season. And I think it could be a game where he goes for not just 100, but 100 and quite a, quite a chunk of change. I think, um, I think there's going to be the ability here against Arizona State to, to run the ball somewhat effectively. Um, we saw it last week with Oregon State. I, I just think Verdell is in line here to have a bigger day, and, and I, I just hope that he's able to stay healthy and complete the game because it's got to be very frustrating for him on a personal level 
to be such a focal point of the offense and to feel like he can't, you know, finish the game every week. I'm sure he feels like he's, uh, you know, kind of not living up to the expectations because he just can't seem to stay healthy. So I'm hoping for him on a personal level he does that this weekend, and I think he will. All right, so Arizona State has scored 20 or more points against Oregon since 2007. Uh, I think we see Oregon's defense rise up a little bit, and they will allow the fewest points in a game against Arizona State since 2005 when Oregon won that game 31-17. to uh, I have Oregon's defense giving up just one total touchdown in this football game on the road in late November against Arizona State. Ooh, that's We're going to go the different way on this one, I think. Um, my second one here, I think Oregon is going to trail at halftime. Ooh. Um, yeah, I, I have Oregon win this game, but I, I really think this is going to be a game that is is a little bit close, a little too close for comfort. I think people are going to get nervous about it. I think Arizona State's going to be leading at halftime. Um, I think it's going to be a first half where Oregon makes some mistakes. I think that they're going to have a hard time out of the gates, which has been, I don't want to say they've struggled like they've gotten pummeled on the road like they did last year when they were against, you know, you think of those games, Washington State and Arizona and Utah when they were on the road and they just didn't have anything going or offensively or, or even defensively to start. I don't think it's going to be that bad, but I think it's going to be a thing where it's going to be a little bit back and forth and by halftime, Arizona State's going to hold a slight lead over Oregon, and Oregon is going to be forced to, to try to come back. Um, that's not a position they've been in too frequently this year, but they have had success doing that. You think about road games. Um, we already mentioned Cal. We already mentioned Washington. Those are games where they were they were trailing when they went to halftime, and I think that's going to be the same situation here. That's a that's a bold pick, sir. Very 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 bold. I like it. Uh, Oregon leads the nation in interceptions with 17. They also have 19 players to record at least half a sack this season. Uh, both of those are the nation's best. I think Oregon sees their interception number increase in this football game by two. And I also think we see a player who hasn't gotten a sack yet get his first of the season. And a little bonus pick. This might surprise you. Uh, I'm going with Jordan Scott. He has yet to get a sack this year. Uh, I think he gets it at Arizona State. I like that one. I like that one. I, a couple of years ago, uh, Jordan Scott was really, really good uh, down at Arizona State. I remember that game. He and uh, Jalen Jelks also had big stats, but I think Scott had a really good game down there. So uh, that one makes some sense to me as well. Uh, along the same lines, I think Oregon uh, gets three sacks of, of Jaden Daniels um, I, 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 for a lot of the same reasons. I, I, I think you have to keep him in the pocket, and that's critical. As one of the things the defensive coaches and players said was just like you have to contain him because once he gets out, he is he is somebody that can that can beat you with his feet, but you contain him, keep him in the pocket, you bring him down. I think Oregon does a good enough job in this game um, and gets him on the ground three times. All right, my fourth. I don't know if this is going to be that big of a prediction um, or not, but I see Oregon's offense having a very balanced attack Saturday night. I think the Ducks go over 200 yards rushing, and they also throw for nearly 300. We see the, the Oregon offense finish the game with over 500 yards of total offense and just uh, I you said Oregon's going to struggle a little bit. I think this is going to be one of those wow, Oregon played a really really clean strong football game. Well, my fourth prediction is another example of me thinking it's not going to be the cleanest. Oregon, like I said earlier, has just seven turnovers on the season. The season high right now is 3 against Cal. Um I think they're going to turn it over three times in this game. I think there's going to be a little sloppiness here. I think it's going to make the game, I think the game is going to be, like I said, I'm expecting it to be more interesting than other games. Just, there's just, I don't know, I just have a weird gut feeling on this one. Uh, I know Arizona State 
hasn't seemed to have too much of a pulse of late, even though I, they were pretty competitive in all those games. They've been losing games, but they've been competitive in them. I think they're going to force some turnovers. I think Oregon is is going to make some mistakes. Um, I could see Justin Herbert maybe having kind of a slow start to the game. Um, but I think they're going to turn it over three times, which ties Cal, the Cal game for the most so far this season. I, again, I, I expect this first half to not be a half where you come away particularly impressed with what Oregon has done. All right, going into the season, Justin Herbert had just 10 career games with three or more touchdowns in a game. Uh, going into Arizona State, Herbert has six games with three or more touchdowns this season alone. He's also had five games to his name with 300 or more yards passing going into the season. And again, this season, he already has three. I think he goes for over three touchdown passes for the seventh time in his career. And then I think Herbert will throw for over 300 yards for the fourth time this season. I think there's, this is going to be a big game for Justin Herbert and the Oregon passing attack. All right, my last one is on the same lines with what you were just talking about. I think Joanne Johnson goes over 100 yards again. He obviously got there against USC. He was very close, excuse me, against Arizona. I think he gets there against Arizona State um, and gets over the 100-yard mark. I think what we've seen from him is, and I think this is something that the, the committee needs to consider, is the way Juwan Johnson is playing right now, and again, I think he's going to have another big week, the fact that they didn't have him against Auburn should not be overlooked, and I hope it's not being overlooked. It doesn't feel like it's something I hear brought up as much as I think it should be, but he has become such a dominant part of this offense, and the fact that they nearly won that game with Auburn without him sort of speaks to the fact that I really think if he was healthy and in the lineup, that game goes differently. Um, I know when you reflect on that game, you think, oh, they also didn't have Micah Pittman, they didn't have Brennan Schooler, they didn't have Cam McCormick, they didn't have a couple of other young guys. Just having Jawan Johnson, I think, changes the trajectory of that game. And I think Juwan Johnson changes the trajectory of this game. I think he has a big game. I think he's continues to be dominant. I think he's just a big body receiver that is honestly a matchup problem with, with how athletic he is and how sure-handed he's become, which is something that was a concern at Penn State. He's just a really tough guy to ask to guard. You know, he, He's not an easy person to defend, and I think he continues to show that on Saturday where he goes for over 100 yards for the second time in three games and sets himself up here to be I know he's not going to be all conference or anything like that, but to, to maybe get some, some, some recognition from the league about how well he's played this month. All right. So predictions. Now I think Oregon's going to win and I think this is going to be a big game, big win for Oregon. Uh, they're currently a 14 point favorite in this football game. And I, I think for me, I boiled this down to is Oregon going to cover because they're going to win. And I looked at a couple things. I looked at some trends. I looked, you know, I watched Arizona State play a couple games this season, uh, this week. And I, 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 I'm very high on this Oregon football team going into this game, obviously. I think Oregon wins in a big manner. And here's a stat for you. The last four games, uh, Oregon has gone the, over the, 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 the total in, in games. They went over against Washington. They went over against Washington State. They went over against Southern Cal. And then uh, Arizona, they did not go over the 69, uh, in large part because Arizona simply just couldn't muster an offense. Arizona State, on the other hand, they have lost four straight. And over that four straight period, their last three losses have all hit the over for the total. So I think their defense is not playing at a high level right now. They're giving up a lot of points. 
I think Oregon's going to win this one in a pretty big fashion. Uh, and we're going to walk away going, wow, that was a really good showing from Oregon. I'm saying Oregon wins 42-13. to 13. Yeah, we're definitely on a little different page this week, which is nice, Matt, because sometimes we literally have the exact same score. Yes. Um, so good to have, have some, a little bit of variety uh, this week. Uh, this week, by the way, I'm just looking up the over-under is 53. Um, and I actually, I think it's, I, I have the, I'm taking the over on that, but I think it's in part because I think Arizona State is going to score some points. Um, I think Oregon's going to win. I think it's going to be a game where, again, I think they trail at half, but I don't think it's competitive in the closing minutes. I think they pull away in the third quarter, which has been what they've done um, on the road this year, or I should say in games they've trailed this year. That Cal game, they trailed at half. They came out and they took care of business. The Washington game, same thing. They took care of business. Washington State was back and forth, but they finished taking care of business. I think they do the same thing against Arizona State. I think it culminates with a 35-24 win over Arizona State. Yes, I think Arizona State is going to score some points. And I think Oregon's offense is going to do a lot, but I think they're going to be a little bit below where they've averaged of late. You know, that's this, they've been scoring at such a rapid clip. Um, obviously, last week they scored 34. I think it's going to be a very similar number this week. Um, you know, I think part of the reason that I have some concern here is with just the kicking game of you get the ball in the red zone, do you feel comfortable kicking Camden Lewis from 35 yards out, or is it a situation where it's fourth and three, um, from like the 12 yard line and you say, well, I guess we're going to have to go for it here. Um, I, I think that kind of adds to the dynamic here and I could see a couple spots where they're forced to either go for it or they try the field goal and it doesn't go their way. And so you have some red zone trips that end up kind of being, uh, disappointing and, and don't, you don't come away with points. So, uh, 35-24, Oregon wins. They improve to 10-1 and and, again, continued that upward trajectory to making the college football playoff, which I still think is very much on the table. All right, real quick before we wrap up the show, what will what do you think the talking heads – this is a huge opportunity for Oregon because Chris yeah. Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, they are on the call of this game, and you, you have a performance like you did against USC, and – Herb Street and Fowler and the talking heads at ESPN for the next three days are going to be just gushing over, oh, Oregon's legit. Give them a chance. You, we forget about them out west, but we just got to look at them late in November, and they are a playoff team. You know, if that happens, that, that's huge for Oregon. What, what do you feel like the talking heads will be saying about Oregon after ASU? Will, will it be that they're still not a playoff team, or will they have made impressions? What do you think is going to happen? Well, if the game plays out like the way I'm predicting it, um, I do think that's going to be one of those, well, they won, but boy, they, they, they kind of showed that it wasn't that impressive. Um, they, 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 God, they kind of were a little sloppy there, but they, and hopefully, and hopefully the tenor of it would turn into, well, good teams figure out ways to win football games. But I think you break up a really good point in terms of the, these games that, you know, I know everybody doesn't like the fact that Oregon's played a lot of night games, but the reality is those have been on big networks, which at least, provides the opportunity for, for a bigger audience. I know 7.30 kickoff, everybody on the East Coast is basically sleeping, but at least it's on a bigger network. You're right on the timing of this one is and, and who is on this game. I think that is critical, and this is a big opportunity on the road against a football team, which I still think is really talented, to, to kind of show some stuff. So I, I think if I think you're right in terms of – and maybe that's why I should say I expect Oregon to win by more, just because there is more on the line, and they do understand that, and – but um, if it's a game where they only won by 11 points, I, I, I expect that there's going to be some kind of 
ho-hum nature of, of just kind of how they look at this team. You know, a lot of people haven't seen this team play a lot this year, and if it's not a particularly impressive win, I could see that being a thing where you're right, the talking heads in the days afterwards are kind of questioning Oregon's legitimacy, maybe going, maybe, man, Utah beat this team 21 to 3. Is Utah, is Utah the better team? Is, you know, are we kind of got the, are we putting the money on the wrong Pac-12 team? And I should say, I think there is, um, a growing faction of people, especially out west, that kind of favor Utah. I know, I think we saw Ryan Leaf, uh, earlier this week say he thinks Utah would be Oregon by double figures in that game. Um, I think right. there are certain, there's certainly people out there that kind of uh, see what Utah has done. If you just are scoreboard watching, Utah's been really impressive in how they've taken care of business. You know, Oregon's won a lot of games lopsided, but Utah's won just as many, if not more, in that fashion. So um, I do think there will be a little bit of compare and contrast the results of these games and the fact that Utah went and beat Arizona State 21-3. to If Oregon only goes out and wins like 35-24 like I'm projecting, are predicting, um, I could definitely see there be a faction of people that go, maybe Utah's the better team. All right, that's going to do it for us on the Austin Audible's podcast. Thanks for listening. For Eric Sculpt and myself, Matt Breen, we'll talk to you post-game from inside the Sun Devil Stadium press box after a win or after a loss. Adios, amigos.